What is going on, everybody? Welcome to a new episode of Orange Slices with Heath Pierce and Mark McKenzie, presented by Four Soccer Ventures. It's a great day because Mark and I are finally catching up after a hectic few weeks. Mark, I didn't know if we'd see you again. We didn't know if we'd hear <laughs> from you again. We wanted a pulse check after uh, this recent camp, but how you doing, man? No, I'm, I'm holding it together, man. I'm finally uh, thawed out, you know. I got my, my feeling back and my toes and my fingers. Uh, feeling good, though. I'm feeling good, you know, back here in Belgium. Finally get a, get, get a good string of games together. You know, we, we had to miss uh, or actually postpone or cancel a few matches because of the international break. So, you know, now we got, you know, the two weeks, you know, two matches per week, you know, for the next, for the next month or so. So, yeah, yeah. man, glad to be back and, and glad ultimately to... Yeah, ending that qualification window with the with the a win, you know, and then now going to the last one with the, the opportunity to clinch. Yeah. Well, l- let me let me ask you this because is there any bigger motivator to try to get on the field in a starting lineup than when you got to be on the bench in the cold, like really really cold? Is there any bigger motivator than like that uh cuz I'm I imagine it's much worse. Yeah. I saw there was blankets I saw there was heat warmers. I saw there was hand warmers and you had, I know you had uh, like some, uh, what did you have? Tea. There was also uh, apple cider. Apple cider. cider. Yeah. I saw it and it looked like, like, like a, like a soccer camp, you know, the list of things that, (laughs) that was included uh, in this thing. I saw it was like, what was allowed? What wasn't allowed? What was being provided? I mean, it must've been really, really cold for you, right? No, it was freezing. It was freezing to say the least, you know, of course those, I don't know, contraption, whatever you want to call them, those, those helped, you know, but to a certain extent, cold is cold, you know, and you can't get out of that, you know what I'm saying? So when you get the chance to go warm up, you know, it's nice because you get to to finally get your, your, your feet moving again. But once you get up and you get from underneath the warmth of the heaters and the, the blanket and the, the, the apple cider, you start running, your toes start to get cold again and they start to freeze up. And when your toes get frozen, they feel like little blocks in your cleat. You know, and then your nose gets cold, you know, because you're trying to cover that up. But then the mask, the, the little uh, the neck scarf is covering your mouth. So when you're breathing, the condensation is freezing, you know, on your mouth. So then you get, you know, these are all, they sound like first world problems. Like, oh my gosh, you know, so, but the cold is cold, period. Yeah. So any, there, there is no bigger motivator to play than the cold, I'd say. Had you ever played in anything close to that? I mean, obviously you went back now to Belgium, which isn't exactly warm this time of year either. But had you ever experienced something that cold because when i was in germany i remember we had heated seats and stuff and there was a few winter games where like i was happy to cozy up under a blanket like up to my neck but it was never like this like hey if your skin touches the air for eight minutes you'll get frostbite that's that that right there was the scariest part you know that whole oh frostbite's a real thing if your your skin is exposed from eight to ten minutes uh so make sure you're you're wearing the proper clothing and then i'm like dang well my my nose is going to be out because, you know, I'm going to be running. So what does that look like? But yeah, I, I don't think I'd ever played in a game as cold as that. You know, I played in Did some, anybody get I frostbite? In, I think uh, a couple guys, a couple guys yeah. got on their ears, you know, the, uh, yeah, the, the, the ears. This, that's that was real. the worst, I think. It's real, man. It's real. It's real. It's, uh, yeah, it's not fun. You know, it didn't look like it was nice either. Now, I don't know if it was exactly frostbite, but it looked like frostbite symptoms. So Yeah. That was uh, like, a, yeah, you don't play with the cold. Yeah. Well, just, just for everybody that's now listening to this, we're, we're happy to be back together. It was a hectic couple of weeks, obviously, you know, um, always trying to get those episodes, but it's, you know, it's so tense right now that it's probably best that we just let the team be the team and we can separate that from, from our catch up episodes as well as having guests. And 
we got a whole bunch of guests that are going to come on. I know we've said that a million times, but the the, the, the look January is, January is a good January yeah. is a good window. Okay, January yeah. is a good window. So we got we got some 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 ammo. Yeah, for sure. But uh, we're going to do a mailbag episode today. We don't have a guest joining us, but we're going to do a mailbag. A bunch of you guys have asked some questions. We're going to try to uh, answer them for you guys. Uh, but you know how was how was camp? You know because I was talking a lot of shit, bro. Like I was talking, this team lost that you guys lost to Canada. I was talking shit. I was like, where is this team at? We're not creating chances. I was saying things like, you know, when plan A doesn't work, we don't have a plan B and plan C. Obviously it hurt against Canada because we gave up that goal early, plays right into their plan of being like very difficult to score on, dropping deeper, <laughs> kind of sitting in their blocks, further in their box, things like that. But it felt like we were lacking some ideas of like, how do we have combination play? Three, four, five guys getting involved in the attack, you know, being a little more curious and daring and 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 creative in the final third which are all kind of fluffy words and until you see them which we saw them against that very horrible Honduras side I mean was the mood cool in camp were people worried a bit was there like you know Greg made this comment about like the way in which we lost and and whatever and I disagree with that but you know you yourself were in camp I mean what was it like from the mood of the team to the performance was there nerves where was was the did the team think that they played all right against Canada was six points overall I mean, obviously, we're now one step and maybe one win against Panama away from qualifying for a World Cup. So I'm not that worried. But but in terms of looking back over this whole window of qualification, I don't know. Was the te- are, is the team in a better place? Is the team better? I mean, give me your give me give me the well rounded uh, to to my 400 questions I just asked you. Yeah, I think it was uh, another window of learning. You know, when I, I go back to to each window and each window being a a new set of lessons, right? You know, and I think that's the World Cup qualification process as far as I've yeah, as long as I've been a part of it. But I think this last window, we were tested in a different way. You know, I think it was... Like a new set of challenges every window. Like yeah, it's, it's yeah, exactly. Challenge. Yeah, exactly. You know, you can't go into any window with the same saying, oh, it's going to be the same as the last window because, you know, you have new set of opponents. And even if you're playing this, uh, you know, the same team again after a couple windows, you know, they're going to come out with a different uh, different punch, you know, they're going to come out with a different strategy against you and, and also the table. How does that affect, you know, how teams go out and play, you know what I'm saying? So everyone was disappointed after the Canada loss, you know, everyone knew how much um, we wanted to beat Canada. We kind of wanted to come out of that with, with six points and coming back home with, you know, the opportunity to come with, come uh, to end the window with nine points. That wasn't the reality. And I think that's what everyone had to to, to deal with and understand. And, and it was a tough pill to swallow, but I think we did a good job of of kind of taking that loss um, and, and and really using it as a motivation, you know, and it's cliche to say, you know, of course, you know, you take it, you less, turn your L's into lessons, blah, 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 but it's real, you know, and, and we couldn't do it. We couldn't do anything about it. You know, we recognize where we, we came up short in, in many areas in that game. And although we can string together passes side to side, you know, what we'll be doing in their attack in third and, they sat back in a lower block and, and they scored the goal early. So so how do you break that team down? How do you break down a team that wants to play in transition and wants you to try and string together passes through the middle and, and whatnot, hit you on the counter, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think these were, were all ways where we understood we could have done better. But reality is we lost, right? And, and it's a World Cup qualification process. So we had another game to, to bounce back to uh, coming back and, and playing Honduras, you know, who are at the bottom of the table and ultimately – all due respect to them, you know, they have nothing to lose, right? You know, they're, they're coming here and they're like, all right, well, we're just going to go and you don't, like, you don't know what you're going to get, right? You can get a team that's going to fold after one goal or a team that's going to come and, and it punch you blow after blow after blow after blow, you know? So 
I think we needed to to set the precedent right, you know, from the beginning of that game, uh, and and ultimately focus on ending the window, you know, with the win and and putting ourselves in a in a position to to clinch qualification and also understanding. Look, the qualification process is a long journey, right? You have what, five windows to 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 advance to a World Cup, and however you have to do that, you have to do that. But the goal is to qualify for the World Cup, right? So. You get through the journey and you, you learn from the journey of making it through the region and making it through these games. And then when you prepare for the World Cup, you take those lessons and, and, and focus on getting into that tournament and really showcasing what we can do, but but also showing the maturity of, of what the qualification process showed us. Yeah. And maybe maybe some of these questions are going to come through in, in the mailbag episode. So I don't want to ask too many, but I got two more for you. One, who who's carrying the team right now? Like in your opinion, form-wise, confidence-wise, locker room, meal room, like who is it that's just been like, there's just such a weird, interesting dynamic in this team because it's so young and so diverse that, and not even just young, but you know, Walker Zimmerman wasn't in the conversation six months ago. Uh, you know, you go into the midfield, Kellen Acosta is a guy that I've been hard on, but then you you look at a game and a team that hasn't scored in, on set pieces in World Cup qualifying yet, but only scored on set pieces leading up to World Cup qualifying, you know, in big games and big moments. His quality of service, yet the difference of he is than than the Tyler Adams on the field. And you look at Timoea in, in the matches that he played. You know Christian Pulisic not being the player that that he's been. The rotation of the number nine position of who is that going to be? Eunice Musa stepping up. Weston McKinney being a, a game changer. Like who's is there one player to you that was like, yeah, this person's gonna like, or this person knows their role and responsibility, and they're they're carrying us right now. I think uh, just based on form i think you could probably see how weston was was really showcasing himself you know um you know how he was playing you know Uh, i think you can also see the qualities of Eunice as well you know as a young player in the midfield oh those are my top two bro you're talking my language right now i'm an expert (laughs) yeah i think uh i think those two are, are just two that stick out to me from this window and really showcasing themselves um and although all three results weren't the way we wanted them to go I should say one of the three results weren't the way we wanted them to go. And I think you can you can see how, how they how they play a role, you know, and an important part of the the team, right? That pivot role, defense to offense. You know, how are we building up our attacks? How are we, you know, breaking through lines and and, and really getting into the attacking third of the field so we can put the ball into positions that are threatening? Um, and I also think Tim. I think Tim had a, had a good window as well, though he couldn't play in the the Canada match. I think two games you you see him play, you know, his. His ability to stretch teams, you know, vertically is, is something that, you know, people talk about a lot. Honestly, I think I give credit to myself for pushing him in training. You know, he always mm-hmm. wants to, to try and be as he should, yeah. least, but, you know, but. It doesn't work on uh, you, but like you can see how it works on other people. Look, you see, he has to learn somehow, right? So he tries and then he's like, okay, yeah, you know, you, I can't you train against way, better so. players. So when you get in the game, you know. <laughs> no, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I think those, uh, those three, you know, had, had good windows and, and showcased. Yeah, their importance to the team and what they can do. I like that. That's a good answer. Yeah, I had Weston top of my power rankings and then Eunice up there just because people expect a certain thing of him. But when you watch him, his willingness to want the ball in tough spots, he's comfortable with his back to the field. He's just got this world-class ability, and I say world-class meaningfully, to get out of tight spaces. And if he's 1v1 with anybody, back to the guy, facing the guy, he's going to get himself enough of a space to break through. Uh, and I just think that's a quality or a skill set that nobody in our national team really has uh, so far. So here's my last question before we get into the mailback episode. I heard a rumor that U.S. soccer was considering moving the match somewhere else. Did you hear rumors of that? Or is that just me being uh, an idiot and reading reading the internet too much? 
Oh, I heard rumors of it as well. I wasn't sure how much stick there was to that. You know, I wasn't sure how much uh, validity there was to it. Of course, because you sell tickets already and and whatnot, you already have a plan that the other team is flying in. So there's all these accommodations already being set uh, that are already set in place. Um, that to change it, you know, in, in a day's time or a two days time, uh, I thought it, it probably would have been difficult and not as feasible. But look, anything is possible, right? So you know, if we picked a, a different location, you know, a warmer location. I wouldn't have been, you know, uh, against it. You know what I'm saying? But uh, I didn't. Uh, I didn't go into it or hear those rumors with the the expectation of oh it's going to change. Yeah, I was kind of like ah, yeah, of course it was going to float around because they see the temperature, they see the weather, this, that, and the other, all the travel, blah, 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 and yeah, you just got to get yeah. on with it ultimately. Uh, hopefully, you kept a uh, kept the jersey and kept something from that day because it's certainly historic, right? The coldest match on record for the U.S. national team uh, playing in, a, I believe, a qualifier, if not any game ever. Um, so it's certainly one you're going to want to keep some sort of memorabilia of, uh, and not just in 100%. your head and, and in your frozen ears for life. You know, what was? Hang on, wait, wait before we, what was the coldest game you ever played in? You know, it, for I uh, will leave it the national team. What was the coldest game you probably ever played in? Honestly, I wish you would have asked me this, like leading up to this, because it's hard for me to think of the coldest game I ever played in. I mean, I played in one game in the snow against Switzerland. In Switzerland, uh, I'm trying to think of where else would have been some cold games, Germany in March uh, against Germany, uh, you know, the ones that you're talking about, like you know, close to freezing at kickoff, wind chill, maybe a little below that. But like, I, I don't think I could have gotten within, I don't know, 10, 15 degrees of, of what <sighs> you guys were, were in. I mean, I was definitely, you know, in Rostock, we played, we played some cold games. We were broke one winter and we couldn't go on a training camp away. So we were training every day on like basically frozen pitch and ice and staying yep. at the beach where we do morning runs on the beach that was covered in snow uh, and ice, which was just ludicrous. Um, and so there'd been moments like that. And then you have like your training matches that are within that. But I, I can't think at the national team, I'm like going on a tour in my head of the different countries we played in. It would have been probably Poland away, Germany and Germany, uh, where Germany was in March, Poland. I can't remember when it was. I think it was just before the end of the year uh, where we, we played. It was snowing when we arrived to the stadium and it was, it was a cold game, but it was warm enough to where y- you know how to get to your halftime get your boots out, change your boots, right. get warm, get out and go again and know that 45 more. It's not like what you guys had, which was you're essentially who's willing to suffer more and who can get in their head that you're suffering. So yeah, uh, I I can't remember anything that even resembled what you guys played in. Yeah, historic. Historic. That's all I can say, you know. Um, and, and shout out to to the to people who made the apple cider. That It was fantastic. Yeah, Was it? Top class, top class apple cider. Matt, what do we got to kick off these questions from our friends and fans here? All right. So we got a bunch of questions. So we'll just roll through some of these. Rick Lund 23 is asking Mark, what were the players' real feelings about playing in St. Paul? Were there varying opinions <laughs> slash feelings? Yeah. Just just to preface this, Mark, before you get in trouble for maybe saying too much, I know what me and my teammates in the national <laughs> team would have been saying. And we would have been saying, F this, F that, this is stupid. Who made this decision? Like, why would they do that? They don't trust us. Why don't, why don't we just play somewhere else? We're better than Honduras. Those are all the things that we would have been saying because we would have said that if we were in some random stadium where we know it could have been a better <laughs> atmosphere anyway, not just to mention the cold. The cold would have taken us over the edge. Just to preface for, for you to answer uh, so you don't get in trouble if you, if, uh, for feeling like you shared too much. No, no. You know, I think it was... I think I'm going to plead the fifth on this one, but... Uh, but <laughs> 
<laughs> but if you and me a, were in a locker room and I was saying that, it wouldn't be that far out of the ordinary. I don't right? think I don't think it'd be too far out of you know any kind of you know ordinary yeah. conversation we'd have. You know, just you know, on the player side. But listen, man, we we don't you know we're 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 hungry for the victory. That's all. Yeah, the upside is that he won the game, and then the players were able to go on social media and be like, "Never doing that again." In the nicest exactly. way possible. Exactly. You see, you see, and that's that's the beauty of it all. You know, we got the victory, we got the three points, and we can laugh about it now. You know, so hopefully we never have to go back there again in February. Can't wait for the or January that Panama or the game, winter. Uh, that Panama game somewhere north, just just for the for the cause. You know, just <laughs> just for the banter. All right. Next questions from Dave Lang. Best flavor of Gatorade. Glacier blue, the light blue joint. I would agree with that. I mean, I pretty much only drink of any sports drink, including Gatorade. Like, like even right now, trying to get my electrolytes up at home, I'll, I drink like the low sugar one. So I don't really drink it yeah. for flavor, but blue is pr- definitely my favorite flavor. And I don't drink it yeah. for flavor because if I did, I would drink them all the time. I try to just do it for the electrolytes, stay on like the low sugar end of it. Any of their of like course. spinoffs of like the <clears throat> the low sugar kinds. Yeah, I like that. Diversify. Don't no free ads here. Just Gatorade. Nah. Yeah. We're all about electrolytes. Yeah, Spend that money then. <laughs> oh, electrolytes. Though, baby. Oh, you know what? I bet. I bet Matt Flores is Dave Lang because you know <laughs> he's got the he's got the ties to the old Gatorade family. Uh-huh. All right. The next the next question is from Ewan Holden. This is a great question. Royal Rumble consisting of all the U.S. coaches in your lifetime. Who wins? <laughs> That's pretty good. Take that however you want to interpret it. <laughs> oh man. I mean, I'm probably the only one safe enough to 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 answer this question. Um Bruce Arena's got some Andre the Giant vibes for sure. Kind of more that physical presence uh in the <laughs> ring. <clears throat> I think Jurgen's got got pace, probably wins the athleticism of of anybody in there covering <laughs> ground. <clears throat> I'm trying to think of like even in my lifetime to go beyond me, beyond my my own coaches. You have Greg Berhalter. I think he'd be tactical. I think Bob Bradley's tactical in there. It might be a few people trying to form sides, you know, kind of like it might turn into a little survivor island of giving each other the eyes of like, hey, if we take this guy down, like if we if we do the double clothesline and Bruce Arena over the rink and out, we got two of us left. We'll figure it out from there. Steve Sampson, I, I don't think he has a chance. That old generation was grit, but like, you know, guys are too clever, too fast now. The game's fast, you know, even in the rink. So yeah, man, I'm I'm gonna have to probably end up with so now I'm down to Bruce. Uh, no, now I'm down to Jurgen, Bob, and and Greg. So I think I think Jurgen probably convinces one of them to side up with him, only to turn his back on them last minute, where he does a whole like, <laughs> you know, goes to help him tie his shoe, ducks down behind him, while the other one pushes him. You know, he does the old classic like park thing where he flips out, he flips out of the ring, and then you're down to Jurgen and and Bob, and I could just see the two of them being like, let's go to the middle, and. We'll take everything that we have around the ring and we'll set up a pitch against each other, like 11 v 11 with like things from the <laughs> ring, you know, and come up with some sort of like tried and game to outsmart each other only to see, only to see Jurgen out manipulate Bob in the end and, and take the Royal Rumble. That's my, uh, that's my, my full story on, on the fly there. Right. I feel like I was just in an episode of Bracketology. Uh, <laughs> You got to bring you got to bring the story to life. You know what I mean? Like you, you didn't like my double clothesline of Bruce Arena over the over the turnbuckle. I felt like I was at the at the actual rumble. I felt like I was there in the stands just watching this all break down. What was the old MTV show, Matt, where they had the wrestling, uh, the uh, um, clay, the clay wrestlers, celebrity uh, death match, baby? Yeah, 
We should bring that batch, that back, um, and, and do it with all the coaches. That would be a fun episode to watch. I just gave you half the episode. I mean, come on, just needs a little more drama. I mean, that was that was the best answer we've had on a mailbag so far. So well done. <laughs> Very timely with the Royal Rumble just taking place too. All right, still another another fun one uh, from Jack Heaps. Pick up basketball with the USMNT pool. Who's your starting five? The current, or are we are we going with the entire pool? Let's go with like the current. Okay. Current roster, yeah. Three, three on three. Yeah, it's made, it's, made, it's interesting. Mark picks first, then he's second. All right. From this from this current pool, like from this camp, yeah. or wide, wider, like wider, wider. say forty players. Wider. Okay. Okay. Go ahead, Mark. Okay. Pick your first pick. I'm gonna take Chris Richards because I know he can hoop. Okay. Oh man, I gotta either go with. I mean, naturally, I always lean towards it, grabbing a goalkeeper or a defender early because they're going to be the most savvy yep. and probably the most multi-sport athletes the longest. The problem is I want to go with John Anthony Brooks, but I know that dude spent all of his time in Germany. He can <laughs> throw a ball for nothing, dude. I've seen those guys in the gym. Uh, I'm going to go with Zach Steffen as my first guy. He went single sport early, so that's a little bit yeah. of a risk, but he's long. He's got good hands, and I think he's that like he could, probably, he could probably at least back some in. That's actually a good pick. I'm going to... My next pick will probably be between again. I got to stick to my defenders because these attackers, these forwards, they're, they're, too, they're not they're not getting it done. You know, I think I'm gonna have to go with like it's between Miles and Miles Robinson and Sean Johnson. I think Miles, defender, wow. center back, low baby, center back, low. Yeah, I'm going with I'm going with Sean Johnson. My second pick, bro. <laughs> I got so much size. I know you got you you got maybe got some range and some shooters because the game has changed. But at least I got some size now. I got I know guys. Got good hands, good footwork, because I, you know, uh, for sure. And then my 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 last pick, my last pick's gonna surprise you, but I, I got it ready when you are. Go ahead, you go, you go, you go, you get your first. Okay. You get the pick. I'm, first. I'm gonna go with Christian Pulisic. You know, I've been seeing those videos of him with the basketball and training behind the back. <laughs> and I know I need a little breakout speed because, like, when I got my guys grabbing boards, like I'm talking about slapping. I'm talking about Zach Steffen and, and Sean Johnson's fighting. Off the backboard, tap the backboard, and then you got a spring out <laughs> where Christian Pulisic is running the court, and you just throw that little overhead throw, and he's he's on the break, and uh, you know he pulls up just soft handed, you know, like real soft handed, and can right get you those, those those easy layups, you know, nice finger roll. All right, it's, the, it's right, like right. the it's like the uh, it's the it's the it's the deep block of basketball, you know, everybody <laughs> in the paint, and then you have one guy spring out every time, and you launch that counter. Listen, man. Transition game is is, is never it's never gonna die. Transition mm-hmm. game is is lethal. So mm-hmm. uh, uh, let's see. I'm gonna go with West. I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it mid range athletic, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna beat you. You know, in transition, we're gonna get those uh, second balls and, and and really run you down. You know, you. Yeah, I can see West going. You know, diving diving to keep balls in bounds, all that sort of stuff. That motivator for the team. Mm-hmm. You know, that'd be a lot of Harry Potter celebrations, though. Every point, you know, <laughs> it's a lot of one one. You go through the whole eight episodes, and then you'd be in like you know, the Crimes of Grindelwald, and you'd be in like uh, you'd be in all the whole whole Harry Potter series. You know, yeah, it's like it's like we got all the books, you know, stacked on top of each other. That's how have so many celebrations. We got a wand waving. <laughs> I like that. That's a good question too. That's a great question, Mark. You don't play. You, you put yourself on the team? Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, we're playing five on five. Of course, I'm hop in there. Like, like, of course, I'm in there. But I was saying without excluding me, you know? Fair enough. Mm-hmm. So this is from Derek M. Light. Does the team have a locker room victory song? Nah, nah. I don't think there's a victory song. I think it's just 
the music that everyone's kind of feeling already in that in that given time, you know, in that given window. A lot of new music drops, so I think everybody kind of has a consensus about what music is, is kind of popping within the team and whatnot and what gets everybody going, especially after a win. You know, I think there's a mix between, like, keeping it light and funny, you know, and then also that, like, that gritty stuff that everybody loves, you know, that everybody can dance to, you know, and, and whatnot. So I think it's a, a balance between those two, those two uh, aspects. Do you guys do fitness after the game for the guys that don't play, Mark, or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So uh, usually it depends because the timing is always always jacked. It was pretty long. It's usually during the home matches I would do it because uh, yeah. you know, the away matches, you're kind of in and out. But yeah, yeah, for the home matches, come back in after the, the game's over. Greg will give a speech and whatnot, give out the game ball, and then uh, you go back out and do the runs. And Oh, you go back like out after, minutes. I was going to say, because I remember at times you stay out and you do the runs kind of miss the celebrations of a game, you know, when you go in, everybody's happy and you come in all pissed off because like you just had to do a bunch of sprints and you're out of yeah. breath, yeah, you're tired yeah. and everybody's in there dancing. You're trying to find like the mood because it's been like, <laughs> now it's been like an hour since the game ended and you're like, I, I, don't, I don't, you know, where yeah, do I fit yeah, into yeah. this whole thing? That's why I was curious. Next question is from our friend, Jillian Senkovitz. Respective levels of orange slice consumption. I spent those 39 days in Dubai and we had fresh fruit cut every day out on a plate. And so I was hammering through <laughs> orange slices daily and like already peeled, like no, 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 no real, like ooh, even, even whatever it's called, the, the rinds the, on it, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, ooh, I just, I, and I would just cut, pop in there and I'd see him. I just, and then as soon as I walk out, then a few minutes, that thing is refilled with, with fresh fruit again. And so when it's readily available, I'm, I'm, I can, I can be at least a half orange to an orange daily, but I start to fall out when I got to put in a shift to get, to get that peel off, you know? Yeah, that's, that's the vibe killer, you know, doing the peel, it, it just takes a lot of energy out of me, but I then your think hands sticky, I'm, acidic, you, the you smell, you, you can, the, yeah. the, 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 acid, the, the, the acidic yeah. uh, nature, the cuticles, you know, it just stays yeah. that's it, just a lot, you know? So I think if it's pre-peeled, Mm-hmm. back home in the summers i could probably hang out like four to six in a day just from oh, wow. sheer vitamin c huh sheer snack i just once i get one then i'm like ah maybe i should grab another you know i also like clementines just like mm, little clementines, like little brothers yeah little brothers of, uh, of oranges so yeah i think here in belgium it's not really in season so it's a bit difficult to, to really get fresh fresh oranges like that um but luckily there's a fresh fruit and vegetable stand so slide up there every week see what they got probably hang out like six to eight in a week depending on what's available respect next question is from sploot magoot who's the usmnt player with the biggest difference in demeanor off and on the pitch meaning like this is still from sploot uh the kindest guy on the planet in the locker room versus will murder a dude in the match it's funny you. I'll let Mark answer that, obviously. But uh, I was when I was doing the podcast last week during the national team games. I was with Richie Graham, Philadelphia Union, Burke Cherry, one of my colleagues, and and um, and Mark Ryan. And I would come out of the room after podcast and be like, "Yo, what's up with that voice? You know, what's up with the podcast voice? You know, what's up with the energy? Like, we don't see that." And they were like, "It was the same sort of thing of like, I go into the room, the light comes on, and I just attack this camera, and I come out, and I go back to being quiet again." <sighs> Let's see. I think the biggest demeanor change because all right, so Eunice is off the list because Eunice is the same way as he is on the pitch as he's off the pitch. You know, he's always smiling and whatnot. Ty is, yeah, he's just Ty. You know what I'm saying? He's 
always talks. He's professional on and off the field. You know, he carries himself that way. Um, he can throw in a joke every, you know, he throws in jokes. Um, he's, he can laugh and whatnot, but yeah, he's cool, calm, and collected. Weston's a clown, you know, but yeah, he's he's a guy you, you want to have on your team every day of the week. I'd say Tim. Tim. Tim gives off of, uh, he gives this like, yeah, like, you know, I don't even know how to describe it, you know, that, that, I'm not saying he's not like that, but when he's off the field, this guy's a, he's a, he's a jokester, you know, he's, he's one of those guys who you can be around and you're like, what do you, what? You know, so I think I think Tim, just knowing him, I think he's he's one of the go tos for me. Um, and I'm saying he's like fake on the field and fake all. You know, he's he's not, like, but he's just he just carries himself a different way. You know what I'm saying? He just yeah, it's just different. So I say Tim. Tim is probably that one. But sir, hey, let me let me not let me not lie though. Serge, Serge can Serge can yeah. Serge looks like he's just a quiet guy, but when you really get to know Serge, uh, he he's, he's yeah he's a little something. What's the latest on the orange uh, chicken saga with him? You had to order anything for him in this camp? Update. He finally downloaded Uber Eats. No and uh, yeah. Uh, the, 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 Cut the that out, Matt. Cut that out. Yeah, Matt, uh, you know, Matt, he, he ordered, downloaded, uh, he downloaded, he downloaded a, a app, delivery service app. An application that, that delivers food. You know, you can, you can put your card information in there occasionally and, and they will deliver when available. Nope. Yeah, delete that we support small business okay. you order direct um, with the vendor yeah so we we walked we took our bikes our team yeah. bikes <laughs> our bike. to yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. to the local uh restaurants and and figured out where he could get some orange chicken from and yeah there we go Keith, you can kick off this one i'm not even t calfi 05 this question's from how do you think all this european club presence has helped this national team european club presence i mean <clears throat> i think it's it I wouldn't even say just specifically European club presence. I think anytime these players make a move and put themselves in the challenging positions, we're seeing that now, right? I think our, my biggest worry for this World Cup is coming into this camp, you had a mix of players out of season in MLS, and then you had a mix of players who weren't getting that much time specifically in Europe. And that's going to continue over the next eight months as these players challenge themselves because they're not, we're not talking about Clint Dempsey at Spurs, the top of his career, where, you know, he's probably going to play more than he's not, but this is going to be the peak. We're talking about kids that are 18 to 22 challenging themselves in really hard environments. And so you're going to go through the ebb and flow. So I think it's a great thing in the long run. I think in the short run, we might suffer from time to time where, you know, going into this camp, Eunice Musa had a good run of maybe four or five, six games going into this camp. But before that, he wasn't playing. Timothy Weah wasn't playing. Christian Pulisic wasn't playing. Mark Mark wasn't getting the time that that he wants to get, you know, and then you had these players coming out of their, their off seasons. And then, but specifically to the players in Europe, yeah, it's kind of like you just hope that you have enough players coming through the pipeline you have enough players challenging themselves that they're always going to come out on the high end of 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 tough moments where they're not getting minutes with their club. Serginio Dest also. Now you go back to this. They come in and play in the national team. They go back and most guys got a game again. So I think that's that's a positive. But it's a good thing for the long run. But in the short term, it might make us a little bit nervous in terms of like what form are our players in? Are they getting the minutes we need for them to develop? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I'd agree with that take, to be honest with you. You know, it's not easy. Uh, especially as a young player in, in, in clubs that are well-established, right? And you got guys who have been playing in Europe their entire lives, who've come through youth academies and played at the club, you know, guys who are transferred from other clubs to this, you know, take a bigger step, right? So I think that it's it's one where you sacrifice a little bit now, you know, but in the long term, so you're going to thank yourself for it, you know, and, and, and be able to to see how uh, the, the, the talents, you know, and these, these products that you have in the national team, have developed into to well-rounded 
you know, footballers, you know, to, to be able to help take the national team to another level. Right. So that's, that's the goal. Um, just like any process, there's the, the, like you said, the ebbs and flows, you know, those little divots, you know, as you move in that upward, you know, progression. So I think that'll be the, uh, the biggest, biggest thing going forward is to, to understand that, you know, to accept it, you know, but, but to understand in the long run, it'll, it'll, it'll pay itself off. Love that. Last one from MLAD0526. Which current USMNT player could you see being a coach someday? Hmm. Are we talking now? What kind of coach are we talking? Like, you know, Matt, we'll let you decide. But, you know, there's different levels. I think guys are, some guys are like, I don't want to be, I would never want to be a, a, a professional coach. You know, I don't even want to coach youth football. I don't even want to coach high school or, you know, stuff like that. So I think the general consensus in the team is probably guys wanting to do like some youth stuff or like academy stuff not really coaching at the the highest level of, of football you know but but wanted to do more youth youth coaching so i could see uh voldy christian roldan and walker zimmerman only because they're taking classes <laughs> to be coaches yeah. um, but it's also those are the positions that you see that become yeah. coaches like it ain't gonna be a, a striker or an attacker they're too selfish nah, they're not nah. they're not thinking they're not thinking about the 11 and the 18 and the development of like that one guy who's struggling or girl who's struggling you know they're they got a different mindset <laughs> that gets them to where they're going exactly exactly so i'd say i say roldy and walker are my t- my top two um as to, to to coaches you know and seeing really yeah, being being good for the development of, of the the youth. I would I'd say myself at some point maybe you know if that's the the way I want to go. But I think walking walking Roldy are are my two. Who would you pick, HB? Man, it, it's so funny because Mark went with the older dudes anyway, and I just <laughs> lean towards the older dudes. I could see like I could see Sean Johnson being in that space. Yeah, I could see. I start to think about like I could see Jordan Morris. I could see Sebastian Legette. I just see all the dudes that are a little bit calmer, like past the days of just being like, yeah. like you know, their, their, their head is up now in their lives and their careers where they're like, they, right. they, they know something else exists beyond this like thing called playing. And it, it ends up being usually the older players. And, but it's traditionally your midfielders and your defenders that have a little bit more of that mentality or that perspective of the game that I think, uh, obviously there's plenty of good attacking coaches in the world, like Zidane, and, you know, uh, others, but, when I think about the natural aspect of a, of a you know, the, the drive of a striker, the selfish drive of a striker can get them to be good coaches if they can, if they can add all those pieces. But naturally, your, your captains or your leaders are the ones that think about the team mm. more often in development of, of their career um, are going to be your midfielders, the defenders, for sure. Love it. Well, that is it from us. Thank you guys so much for submitting uh, your questions. Those were a lot of fun for, for Mark and I. And of course, we're going to make sure we bring you guys consistent episodes in season two. Uh, if we don't have a guest, we'll make sure that it's Mark and I just doing a, a check-in and a catch-up. But Mark, thanks so much, man. It's good to see you thawed out. It's good to see you uh, made it home. Uh, it's good to see you back. And we're excited for you. Obviously, got some busy schedule coming up. So uh, we hope that you're going to get the minutes that you need. And uh, also enough time to, to keep this Orange Slice podcast going, man. No, no, I appreciate it. And uh, great catching up as always, man. You know, it's, it's nice seeing your face again, finally. And yeah, hearing the, the HP media voice, you know, missed it. So uh, yeah, again, uh, glad we could, could get back on and, and I'm looking forward to, to what we got coming up over uh, over season two, throughout season two. And uh, before we go, shout out to, to the whole Orange Slices team, you know, Matt Flores, Chris Boniello, and... Uh, yeah, everybody for, for helping us produce this podcast. Yeah, and just a reminder, you guys can catch us on at Slice of Soccer on social media. That's where most of the conversation happens. But if you haven't already, wherever you get your podcasts, leave us a rating, leave us a review. You can actually leave 
reviews um, on Spotify now. So make sure if you listen to us on Spotify, you're leaving that review there. And until next time, peace out from Mark and I. Peace.